Hello and welcome to the Building Your Path podcast. This podcast records the stories of those who have achieved their own success in their respective fields. Today we have Miss Miriam Kuzik, the Associate Principal Oboist with the LA Philharmonic. She also teaches a class at the University of Southern California. Please enjoy. Thank you very much for coming on. My pleasure. Um, so how would you describe your job? My job is to play uh, oboe in an orchestra, um, but it's not just, well, we have four oboists in the orchestra, so we, it's a little different than high school where you audition in somebody's first chair and plays these solos and then second chair plays second, third chair, and so on. Uh, instead, my job is associate principal, so, which means that um, there, there's a, the principal who usually plays most of the solos, but then the associate will also play solos. So I'm basically kind of like a so associate first chair. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so what would be your definition of success? Yeah, I thought about this because I, what I don't think it is is getting the dream job, actually. My definition of success is just being able to have the courage and the ability to do something you really believe in. And, uh, you know, so for music, I, I believe in the power of music. And so for me, the definition of success is the, having the courage and the ability to go and move people by you know playing music because music has that kind of power and so did this passion start in high school yes yeah I, it even started before high school I mean I, I've always was drawn to music in some fashion but I, it wasn't necessarily an oboe <laughs> but I was uh, definitely involved in music from very early age and you did not grow up in California, correct? Correct. I grew up in Virginia, north, near D.C. How was uh, life like at the high school in Virginia? It was an amazing high school. Um, it, was, it, was, it, it was not that much different than this high school because uh, like there, it was 7 through 12. And um, it was a pretty big, a little bigger than this high school. Um, but the music program was especially strong there. It had strong academics too, um, but the the band program was really, really incredibly strong. And so, yeah, I just felt like I had a normal high school experience in public schools. Uh, and you were talking about your personality and how that uh, tied into the fact that you pursued oboe and piano and how you improved. Right. I, you know, the interesting thing about me in high school is that I, I, in spite of the fact that now I, I perform on stage, you know, at the Hollywood Bowl, at Disney Hall, all over the place, in high school I was really shy. I, and um, I, I, I still am an introvert, but I, I really didn't talk to many people. Uh, I didn't, I had a few friends, but mostly people overlooked me. They didn't really notice me that much. And, um, and so I kind of just was doing my thing and, and not really, people weren't really thinking, oh wow, she's gonna be something. You know, <laughs> mostly it was, it was like, who are you? 
uh, kind of thing. And so, um, yeah, I wasn't, I, therefore, like, I, I really got into music because it was a way I could express myself that words couldn't do, you know? And, and so I just got really involved in that. Um, but like I was being shy, taking auditions or like just getting noticed for what I was doing was a problem. Um, but so I had to work through that. But uh, um, you know, the band director, I would say really, really helped me with this because I, w I got an opportunity to be in a program that where ev if, if everybody worked hard, the results was so much more than anybody expected. And, and so that really motivated me because I, I really wanted to work hard so that we all could experience this amazing thing. And, and so it, it, it became this thing that was so much greater than ourselves. And so, and he was very, our band director, Carl Bly, he was, he's, he's very disciplined. He loved marching band. He's very competitive <laughs> in the sense that like, we we're gonna all do what are not only our best, but even better than our best, you know? And, and, uh, and he, like he really had high expectations. He, and, and somehow we, we achieved that and more. So. And um, you were talking about your youth orchestra and um, the idea of the, the audition you were um, saying that you uh, played Mozart for the first time. Could you elaborate on that? Yeah, it's actually a concerto competition. And, you know, looking back on it, it wasn't really a big deal, but it was a big deal for me then. I was like a junior in high school. And, um, like, I, for the first time was uh, performed the Mozart Oboe Concerto. And it's a difficult piece. It's, it's one that I teach regularly and, and it, it has a lot of challenges. It doesn't play itself. And, and so, you know, here I was, I, you know, I put myself out there and it did not go very well. It went rather poorly. And, um, and afterwards I wanted to get some feedback and and so I saw the uh, judge one of the judges sheets and by my name it just had a big fat no in capital letters and exclamation point and uh, I was like wow that's harsh uh, but uh, it, it took a while for me to learn this I went now looking back on it it was actually a little bit of uh, a defining moment in my life because it, uh, I didn't want to take no for an answer in a way. Um, like, but what I did not know then is that like, it, what, what I thought then was like, oh, I, I just can't, I don't do Mozart. I can't play this. I can't, I, sh I shouldn't be playing in public. But what I know now is that I, I is that just because I couldn't do it then doesn't mean I couldn't ever do it. Is that I, the, the real thing is that I couldn't do it yet. And that I just, if I work at things, I will be able to, to get this. I will be able to achieve things that I never thought I would achieve. 
And then, so you're saying that this was a time you were a junior. After you were transitioning from high school to college, what was your mentality or process when choosing a college? Mm. Well, so I didn't really know what I wanted to do as far as um, what I was going to major in. I knew that I wanted to go to James Madison University. I was pretty sure about that because my mom went there. And back then, you know, you didn't apply to three billion colleges like you guys do. I mean, I really actually was had my sights set on James Madison University and Peabody, and that was about it. You know, so, and I thought, well, I'll audition for JMU on oboe, thinking that I would probably change my major. And that, um, you know, so, but it was a way that I could just get into college and just and explore. Um, and then Peabody was at the suggestion of my piano teacher, because I was serious about piano. And she recommended that I, that, that, you know, it's a good piano school. I didn't realize it was like one of the top piano schools in the world. Um, but, you know, so I auditioned and basically I feel like the colleges chose me. The main thing that happened though was when I was in a senior in high school, um, there was there was this apprenticeship program in the National Symphony, and this actually changed the whole course of my life because uh, we got to well, I was able to get out of school, which is awesome, and I went uh, went to the to listen to rehearsals and got to talk to panels of musicians, panel of management, the librarians, and really got a chance to see how the orchestra world works. How does it, how does it raise money? How does it function? How does, like, what is it like for a musician, uh, management, all, the whole thing. and. You know, it was a world that I just had no clue about until experiencing this. But the main thing that happened was we were li able to listen to rehearsals, and we, they were rehearsing Tchaikovsky Symphony Number no. Four. And in there, the beginning of the second movement is an oboe solo. And as we were listening, I swear to you, I heard a voice that said, "You're going to do that." And I heard it so vividly that I actually literally turned around to see who was talking to me. And I heard it again. I heard it twice. And it was like, okay. <laughs> well, I guess I'm gonna do that, you know? And, 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 and so, like, it wasn't this like, oh, I hope I get to do this. It was more like, okay, I guess that's what I'm gonna do. And so, um, at that point, I'd already had auditioned for uh, James Madison and I also and Peabody. And so, like, I'm, I don't even know. Maybe I'd even. I'm not sure if I had the the letters yet of admission, but um, I pretty much decide. Okay, well, I'm gonna guess I'm gonna go to JMU, major in oboe, and be serious about it. And, but I really also figured that if, if, 
if the voice is true, I'm going to go and uh, I already knew that I was probably going to transfer. That uh, that like maybe that I wanted to go to a uh, serious music school. Not that James Madison isn't good in music, but I really wanted to see how far this would take me. And and so when I um, I when I went, I like I, oh, and I, the other thing is when I was deciding this, I was like well, if the voice isn't true, I don't get in. I could stay at JMU, major in something else, and, and continue to have music in my life. It's a win-win because I loved JMU. I, you know, I, I ended up going there, you know, and um, loved it, loved it, loved it. And so, um, but I, I had this thought, like, if the voice is true, I kept saying this to myself, like, the rest of my time, you know, then, then the voice is true, I'm going to get into a music school. And uh, that's precisely what happened. I auditioned for, um, when I was a freshman in college, I ended up auditioning for Oberlin, Eastman, and Peabody again. And uh, long story short, Oberlin worked out and, and I went, you know. So it was, it was amazing. Um, the one thing about Oberlin that is uh, good to know, well, actually, well, Peabody I, I outruled. I didn't, that wasn't the place for me especially not on um, on oboe. It might have been on piano, but it was obvious that piano was not the direction I was going. And so, um, and, and Eastman, like Richard Kilmer is a, a most amazing teacher and he was there and like, but I didn't know it at the time, but all he wrote on my undergrad uh, sheet was wild in capital letters. <laughs> I guess people like to use capital letters with me. <laughs> so I did not get into Eastman, but uh, and Oberlin, the only reason I got into Oberlin was because I found out that, um, that on this one etude, uh, there was like these hairpin dynamics, which uh, for the non-musicians, it's a crescendo and diminuendo markings. Uh, and so there was like like two hairpins shown on the music, but I did one big one instead of two small ones. And apparently that's the only reason I got into Oberlin. <laughs> and uh, you know, because I think he thought I was wild too, but I dared to do something that was different and or musical and um, you know, so, which was nice because it was like, at Oberlin, I was allowed to have a brain. <laughs> you know, I didn't, I wasn't, it wasn't cookie cutter. And uh, I don't think if I, if I went to a play, a school that was making me a cookie cutter musician, I don't think I would have been, stayed in music. I, I would have left. <clears throat> and so after Oberlin, you went to graduate school? Did you have a plan for that? I, the funny thing is I didn't. I think that these, again, these schools picked me. I mean, when I was a senior at Oberlin, I, I didn't really know what to do. And I asked my teacher, I thought, what should I do? And he said, move to New York City. What will I do there? He goes, well, go to grad school. And so I'm like, oh, okay. 
I, okay, you know, so he, he was thinking like I could move there, get established, everything. And so, um, so I auditioned for Juilliard and Manhattan School of Music and, and I'm thinking, well, if I'm going to audition for grad school, I'm going to audition for Eastman too. And so um, he didn't really seem to want me to go, even go there, but uh, I was felt very compelled to go. And so um, I went and auditioned at Eastman and still didn't get in. Like I, um, and I, but I had a second chance and I knew it. And again, I, like I said, is like this voice was, if the voice is true, things are gonna happen. I just had this sixth sense that I was going to get in, and um, you know, and, and Juilliard didn't feel like the right place. Neither did Manhattan. Um, and so, like, it, it, Mr. Kilmer came to Oberlin for a master class, and that's when it happened. Like, I, you know, I played a slow solo, and um, and he, we worked well together, and and he was moved, and. And it just worked, and I went there, and it was, it was amazing. He was the perfect teacher for me. They're, both of the teachers were perfect for me, it just turns out. So then you went to Eastman, got your master's, and uh, did the same process happen after you uh, got your undergraduate degree and didn't really have a plan? Yeah, I didn't have a plan after, like, but yeah, things just fell into place. It's It was really bizarre. Um, yeah, uh, so, my second year masters, like I should have just had the confidence, hey, things are going to work out. But you know, people say music is a hard industry; it's hard to get a job, and so I was freaking out. I was losing sleep. I, I was really, like, you know. Uh, but the, as luck would have it, there was there actually was a bunch of job openings that spring, and um, but I my plan was. There was a training orchestra in Florida that was relatively new at the time. Uh, it's like semi-professional. You only do it for three years. Uh, you know, you get paid, but it's it's kind of like an internship, sort of. Um, and so I really thought this is the answer. I'm going to get into this uh, called New World Symphony. And and so yeah, I was like, yeah, that's it. And the and op Plan B was to maybe start my doctorate at USC. Plan C was to maybe go to Banff in Canada and just like have this intensive like practice whatever thing. And um, the, uh, one thing that was not on my list was to get a job, which like is the most obvious thing, but I just thought it, it's so hard to get a job. Why would I get a job? Uh, well, so I did the New World Symphony audition and it, it was, I totally bombed it. It was just a disaster. And um, so I was like, okay, well, there, there goes that. Uh, so then we, um, like, th then there was a bunch of professional auditions on, on the docket. And so Kansas City Symphony was the, f like, was on there, was like the first out of this, like, man, there's probably like seven openings. And, and so I thought, well, I, uh, so I submitted my resume and I was like, what the heck? And so I really, uh, and it was like at the end of spring break. And so my friend and I, we decided to do a road trip. And I'm, I'm like, I was determined to have a good time in this road trip and, and, and just practice an hour a day 
uh, for this this audition. Uh, I didn't want to let the audition ruin my fun, <laughs> and so. Um, so, but like, and I was treating the Kansas City Symphony audition as a practice audition for these other auditions coming up. And, um, but I went there and, and, and won it, you know, it was, it was like, okay, I guess I'm going to Kansas City. And it just ended up being like the perfect thing because like I ended up uh, going to Kansas City and I, I got a teach, and I also became the professor at, at UMKC. So I you know, at age 24, started college teaching and playing in a professional orchestra full time. So yeah, it, it really chose me, it chose me. Were there any pushbacks during this time? Yeah, a lot of pushback, uh, the whole time, you know, like from high school to now, you know, I mean, the, the, yeah. In high school, there was this one other oboist, uh, who was getting in the youth orchestra, who's getting all the attention. And, you know, everybody thought she was going places and nobody, nobody was really paying attention to me. And there, there was just these, these, these put downs and these, these, you know, like just these jabs, you know, just like, oh, you'll never amount to anything kind of thing. Is like these people that just like, they think they, they can, make themselves feel better by pushing other people down you know it's like these, these insecure people everywhere you know and and so you know, like it, it it really teaches you resilience you know it really teaches you like to to make sure you're doing things for the right reasons you know you're not doing it to to be better than the other person you're doing it you know because you love to do it and that you you know, there's a purpose for you doing it. And they're, they're like music in particular, it's like I'm doing it not to be number one, I'm, I'm doing it because I'm alive. And you know, I, I, I can say stuff. I, I have something to say and I'm gonna say it. And, and so, you know, yeah, there's pushback there. There's pushback uh, in, in certainly at Oberlin, um, but there, there, there were also some real big support too. Um, but there was pushback at the Kansas City Symphony audition uh, because, like, you know, this was my second. It was my my second prof no my third professional audition, second professional orchestral audition. And here I was, 24, taking this audition, and I got into the finals, and um, I was the youngest out of five finalists. And this one woman, you know, she asked me what I was, what solo I was doing, because it was a free choice. And, and uh, you know, I said, uh, Marcello, second movement. And she goes, oh, well, that's okay for, you know, you're young and, you know, that's okay for now, but, you know, you, you always have to do the Mozart. You, you can't get anywhere unless you, you know, play the Mozart, you know, and, uh, well, I showed her, <laughs> I ended up winning the job. I didn't play the Mozart. <laughs> so, you know, you have to just kind of know yourself and know, like, 
play play something because you believe in it. You you know that's that's my mantra. And so after Kansas City, how did you end up in the LA Philharmonic? Ah, oh. well, um, after when I got to Kansas City, it was like I was just like great, really green and like oh wow, and it was a real big learning curve, and it was a great opportunity to learn how to be in a professional orchestra for sure. It, it, it needed, at that time, I think the orchestra is a lot better now, but at that time it was, it really was uh, struggling uh, artistically. And, and so, and I didn't, especially my first year, I didn't really, I didn't want to, I thought I didn't want to stay there. And I wanted to see, again, like the, if the voice is true, how far am I, how far can I go? Like, you know, if, the voice is already proving to be true because I got that job. You know, I was doing what the voice said I was going to do. But, um, but I thought, well, well, where's the limit? Like, how far can I go? I'll never know unless I keep trying. And so I started getting on a mission. And I, I started taking, pounding the pavement and really taking a lot of auditions. And um, like, after my first year at Kansas City, I uh, ended up um, uh, going, I wanted to go, be a student again. And so I auditioned for and got in uh, Tanglewood Music Festival, which is uh, like a college age, primarily a college age uh, orchestra. It's like a fellowship or orchestra. And, and so, um, yeah, I did that. And that's actually where I met my husband, Brent. And, um, and he's driven like I am, and, and so, like after after Tanglewood, um, you know, he was helping me too, and I, uh, you know, just like with, with mental training, um, really just so much mental training, and just just like really just trying to figure out like, and and that's actually the time when I learned like. Hey, just because I can't do something yet doesn't mean I won't be able to do it. Like, if something's not working, I just need to change my approach, and and stop taking my myself. I got to take myself out of the equation in the sense that, like, I, I kept before that it was just like, why can't I play the Mozart? Oh, it must mean I'm not not good at Mozart, and and so that was just really unhealthy way to look at it. Uh, and so, like, instead, I'd be like, how can I get this Mozart better? How can I get it better? And then a lot of more constructive answers came back at me, you know, like, oh, like practicing half tempo and really being specific about the minutiae, you know, and uh, it just it got me mo much more on a journey. And, um, but not only just like how to work on things, um, you know, like breaking things down, but how to perform better as well, because it's two different skills. And so I just kept taking auditions and auditions and auditions and auditions. And then finally, when the LA Phil audition came up, um, it's funny because Mr. Kilmer, I, I actually invited Mr. Kilmer to come to Kansas City to give a master class. 
And when he got, when I picked him up at the airport and he got in the car, he said, LA Phil's open, it's your job. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, it, it, but they, at that time, LA Phil made you make tapes. And so um, I ended up making a tape that was rejected. And, um, and so, well, Brent, my husband, or he was not my husband at the time, but uh, he was just so like, you, you gotta take that audition. Cause I was just ready to be like, hey, whatever. You know, there's a lot of other auditions. I, you know, I don't, it doesn't matter. And, um, but he was mad because they had a percussion audition two years prior and he made a tape and it was rejected. But then the guy who won was a guy whose tape was rejected. So he was just like, you've got to take the audition. And so like he ended up calling on my behalf and, um, and they were just really discouraging me from doing that. And he ended up calling two or three times, I don't know. And you know, they kept kind of challenging it. And um, you know, so, so we went, uh, you know, I'm like, okay, I'll go, whatever, you know. So they, they when that day happened, they, there, there ended up being 10 of us that, that showed up uninvited. And um, so they said to come early. And uh, they, they said, well, okay, well, we, we're going to try to hear you play before the invited candidates are, are scheduled to play. So, like, if you, since there's 10 of you, we're probably, we're not going to be able to hear all 10 of you in, in an hour. So, you draw a number, and if you draw a late number, you're probably not going to be heard. So, come draw a number and test your luck. That's what was, that was what we were told. And I drew number eight. And so, I was like, well, I guess I'm not going to play. And so, but, like, some other people were kind of distraught over that, but I was just kind of like, whatever, you know. I, I, I was going to stay with my, my uh, cousins who lived at Wood, in Woodland Hills at the time, and so I thought, whatever, I'll just, you know, I want to go to Universal Studios, I want to go to the beach, I, I want to, I've never been to LA, I just wanted to see it, and, you know, and just get this out of the way. I just wanted them to tell me, you know, dismiss me and I and I all I can say was well well I tried <laughs> so it was that way for several like several hours and and uh, they, they plowed through the first six candidates dismissed them all and then went to the invited candidates and I tell you it was probably like 1230 or 1 and where we were finally told something like like we couldn't even leave the building you know and and so finally they said you know it turns out you're going to be able to play but they're going to break for lunch and so you can leave the building and and go have lunch and so like okay we there there's four of us that were there um left uninvited and and so we were talking and three of the three out of the four of us decided Hey, let's go have lunch together. The fourth guy decided to, to stay behind, and and so we were talking to lunch, and we were talking about like how oh, how dumb are the tapes? You know, like we just how dumb is that? And so we made a pact. It's like one of us just better win the job, just to show how dumb tapes are. And so we 
we made a pact. We toasted to that. It's like, okay, one of us is going to win the job. And so, like, and then we went back, and the three, the three of us that went and had lunch together advanced. The guy that didn't did not advance. And so then, um, then two of us advanced to the finals, and, and I ended up getting the job. And it's just like, wow, you know. <laughs> it went from something that I didn't even think I was going to take to I won the job, you know. So it just, again, the orchestra picked me. You know, so like throughout, like ever since, like from high school on, I just see how like the, these things would happen and where these, they, it picked me. I didn't pick them, they picked me. And so, um, yeah, like, oh, one other thing about it, like me, you know, being discouraged, like uh, that I forgot to mention, um, is that like when I was at Oberlin, there was, like I did get a lot of support, but there was there was some issues. But I end up being really close to this guy um, Alex, who was also at Oberlin. He I really looked up to him, his playing a lot, and he was just he's an amazing musician, amazing uh, oboist. And um, when I got to Oberlin, I didn't know what could be done on the oboe. I didn't know. I, you know, I'd never heard anything like this before. It's just unbelievable. And and so I really, the, the, the hardest thing for me at first at Oberlin was that like I thought everybody was gonna be like that. I didn't know Alex was like, <laughs> like one in a million, you know, kind of player. But I really did think that, that uh, everybody played so well and, and so at first it was really discouraging because I felt like I'll never be able to sound that good. I'll never be able to do that. Um, but long story short, what ended up happening was two things that were really incredibly positive. One is that, that I discovered there's, th that, well, actually I, looking back on it, I see that like usually when there's a successful person, there's a cluster of successful people. Why? It's because the other people see that what's possible and they try to emulate it and they and the bar is raised. You know, you can see it in like like Kenya and running or you know, um, there's like different examples like that, you know, where it's 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 like a cluster of like world class runners uh, or, or whatever and so that's what kind of what happened to me the Oberlin because like I, I saw what's possible and it's like maybe I couldn't do it yet but it's certainly raising the bar the second thing though that it's even more important is that I didn't I wasn't trying to be Alex I wanted to be a better Marion and, and there's room for Alex and Marion in the, this world, in the music world. And that, that is proven to be true. And, and I have my strengths, he has his, they're different. I learned to be a better oboe player because I was around somebody like this. And um, so 
you, it, it, it's important to surround yourself around success, for sure. And so you were talking about the fact that there were these myths around people who get jobs at places like the LA Phil. Could you elaborate on those? Yeah, yeah, there's two main myths that, that, that I'd like to highlight. One is that um, the myth is that like you need to practice extreme hours to be successful and that it just can't not be further from the truth. It is true you have to work hard. I won't lie, you know, yeah, you have to put in the time. But it's how, the quality of time, it's how you put in, not the, the, the quantity. Um, you know, so like if you learn to be an efficient practicer, is so much more valuable rather than like practicing eight hours in a day where like the, the, the last six you're, you're spending undoing the things you've done in the first two. You know, so um, I've seen time and time again, like is, so music school, some people are just like, they, they think they're all like tough and cool or like saying like, oh, I practice like to one, you know, practice all these extreme hours and, and um, it's just, it's, it's a myth. It's a complete myth. The other myth is that, that, um, that only child prodigies get jobs. That is just, cannot be further from the truth as well. Um, I think that the, the, the issue with the child prodigies is that, that like, the, a lot of attention is placed on them. And so, uh, and, and some of them do, are, are successful. But some of them, like, it, it, it can be very difficult as a child. Like, if, if, if all these eyes are on you with all these expectations, all these adult expectations on, on the child, it's just, it's not doing the child any favors. And it's also not doing anybody else any favors is e either because, because the, all the people are like, oh wow, that person is this and that person is that and da 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 da. What I found to be true is that like, like uh, nobody paid attention to me. I, I didn't get much attention at all in high school, uh, and so um, that made me enabled me to be free to to do what I wanted to do without like all the, these uh, expectations. Uh, and so there's a lot of people in the, the in orchestras and like that were not child prodigies. And, and uh, you know, and you also, the other thing is you cannot underestimate the uh, human will. Like, you know, the, the human will will determine everything, I think. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, I think that just about wraps it all up. Um, thank you so much. I've truly enjoyed talking to and I'm pretty sure the audience will enjoy listening to. Thank you. I've enjoyed talking to you as well. Fantastic.